0: I'm Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to the latest episode of our podcast, Principles of Dealership Management with Dr. Jim Weber. During this five-part series, Dr. Weber and Editor-Publisher Mike Lessiter discuss dealer management best practices based on Weber's 40-plus years working with dealers and manufacturers in the ag, construction, and other industries. In this episode, Dr. Weber discusses the problem with holding on to employees who aren't the right fit for your dealership. Tim and Mike then switch gears and talk about dealer consolidation and whether Weber thinks it will continue. Before we head over to Mike's conversation with Dr. Weber, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Premis by Basic Software, for making this podcast possible. Are you tired of not having the ability to access your business outside of the office? Premis by Basic Software Systems is a web-based responsive software that puts your business in your hands with full access from anywhere, anytime. No limited apps and no other connections required, just internet access. Wouldn't you love to see the data you want with one simple click or tap? With Primus, customize your views to show exactly what you want to see, when you want to see it. And the system's multiple layers of data allow you to go deeper with your information. Primus truly is your business system in your pocket. To learn more, visit www.basic-software.com primus. Like all our podcasts, you can subscribe via Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new podcast is released. Also be sure to head over to farm-equipment.com for the latest industry news. Okay, let's get going. Here's part three of Mike Lessiter's exclusive one-on-one interview with Dr. Jim Weber.
1: My belief is really simple after 40 years. You never worry about hiring the wrong person you worry about retaining the wrong person. So as a dealer principal, as a sales manager, as a parts man, I don't care what position they are, in a, if they have a management position, their position should be, and their statement should be, I am going to surround myself with the best people that I can surround myself with. And if that means getting rid of Jim, I'm gonna replace Jim and I'm gonna bring Joe in. If Joe isn't doing a job, I'm gonna get rid of Joe. And people say, well, that doesn't look good having high turnover, well, what looks better? What looks better? Having turnover of turning malcontents over, or keeping an individual that is alienating the people that he works with and alienating the customers that are coming in. Now, here's a true story that I just had given to me in February from one of my clients. I visited this dealership six or eight years ago, nine years ago. He was a service writer for this dealership. He had a terrible attitude. Nobody wanted to work with him. He was a complete malcontent, a misanthrope. And so when I said, well, why do you keep the individual? And the response was, well, he was in my brother's wedding. Okay. How many years ago? Well, that was 38 years ago. Hmm. So you've had him for 38 years. Now this is six, eight years ago. So I'm visiting with this dealer in February of this year, February 2019. And he said, Jim, I got to give you a heads up. Well, just call him Mike. He said, uh, Remember Mike? I said, yeah, I sure do. He was your service writer. Didn't do anything. You paid him $50,000 a year as a service writer. was not a very good employee. Nobody liked him. He said, well, he offered his resignation after 45 years in the business. 60-some years old. He finally decided to retire. So, oh, my gosh! That is fantastic. Congratulations, since you didn't have the nerve and the courage to terminate him. Congratulations, you got rid of the individual. He's retired. He's retiring. But this is the best. He said, I offered him a part-time job. I said, wait a second. You have had an individual that you yourself have been critical about for at least the last nine, seven, eight years, nine years that I know of. He's finally given you the opportunity to say, say la vie, and you've offered him a part-time job even though there's not one other individual in the company that wants to work for them. This is what the industry is up against. This is a mindset. How in the world, good people, good people, these are good people, in fact, I know a very few dealers, when I go go back over the 40 years, I know a very few dealers that I actually didn't like. Virtually all of them out there, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed my 40 years. I mean, I'm thankful every single day that I've had the opportunity to work with the people that I work with, the dealerships that I've worked with. But I sit there and I shake my head in astonishment. I get on a plane and fly away and say, I can't believe what I just saw. And this individual telling me that, this, that he's got an individual that nobody has liked working with for 45 years, and he's offered him a part-time job after he's come in to say, I'm retiring. I'm saying congratulations. Oh, my gosh.
2: What do you think is ahead for consolidation? What Big.
1: It'll continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Look, in 1996, I told my, again, what are we talking about? 23 years ago, for crying out loud, the woolly mammoth was running across the tundra of North America. So, we're talking about ancient history. But I told my dealers back then, look, you have to get to $10 million a location at that point in time. So, if you're a three, million, or three location dealership, by the year 2000, by the way. So, in the next four to five years, you better be at million if you're a three-location dealership. If you're a five, bang, multiply that out, you need to be at $50 million. I feel the same way today. I mean, again, what we're gonna do is we're continue to see a shrinkage of the business. But as we saw this individual from Ohio this morning when we did the territory analysis, when we're sitting there and saying that the radius between him and the five other contiguous dealers that he's up against was 16 miles, if I remember correctly, 16 miles. I mean, that is ridiculous to think that we are out there selling capital goods and a dealer. it's too close. So the fact of the matter is, whether, whether it's the manufacturer, or whether the dealer, there has to be consolidation. So when I go back again, 20, 23 years ago, when I said, you have to be looking at $10 million minimum, I also said, you want to be 60 miles away from your next dealership. So when you, when you draw the line and you break that line in half and you draw your circle. What that's saying is then that farmer would only have a 30 mile drive to the next dealership. Now, farmers are going to drive 30 miles. Now, would they want to? No, the farmers want you to have a dealership on every dealership location, or every dealership corner, every every city location. I get that. I mean, I'm all, I'm all off with. I understand the farmer mentality. But the fact of the matter is, good common sense would tell you we had to be 60 miles apart. And these manufacturers, and again, this goes back to the days when they just put manufacturers in on every street corner in every town in North America, as we saw this morning, to be 16 miles apart. That's ridiculous. Now the question would become, if in fact they were to expand that territory. Now, this is the question the manufacturer should be asking. If they were to expand that territory, would they do justice to that territory? Would they go out and market to that territory the way they should be marketing? Would they go out and put additional salesmen on to work to that territory? And they should, mm-hmm. because the fact of the matter is the potential would be there. So to answer your question specifically, we will continue to see more and more consolidation. Now, whether we get, and whether the dealers who consolidate get the economies of scale that they should get is, is something that I'm, really questioning, to be honest with you. I have not seen them get the economies of scale.
0: We'll get back to Mike and Dr. Weber in a moment, but first I wanted to take a short break to share more from our sponsor, Primus by Basic Software Systems. I recently caught up with Basic Software's Vice President, Chance McGuire, to learn more about Primus. So thank you so much for for joining us, um, and thank you for uh, sponsoring the the podcast series. Um can you tell us a little bit about um Primus and, and how it can help dealers improve their operation?
3: Sure. Primus is our um it's our rewrite. So what we did was we took our current program and experience of uh, since uh forty forty three plus years I believe since nineteen seventy nine And we compiled that up with all the information over the years of listening to our dealers and what they needed and what they wanted and the new technology out there that was available. And we wrote our software in a web-based responsive um, type solution so that you are not limited to any devices. So if you wanted to pick up your mobile phone, you you wouldn't need an app to access your software. It would just adapt to whatever size screen you had and whatever whatever platform it's on, whether it be Apple, whether it be Android, it doesn't matter. So it really frees you up. It's basically a device freedom way of doing things. So it allows the customer to be able to scan barcodes with their phone or their laptop or their tablet to be able to take signatures on their phone or their tablet. And it just frees them up from being at one certain location or having to have an app to use another device or having to do VPNs or RDPs just to get to their software and do work that they need to work. If they've got internet, they're in. All they do is put their password in and they're in the software and they have full access. Apps are limited because they don't allow full access to the product because they're programmed to only do what they were programmed to do in the product. So, that is kind of the rundown on why we did it. We just decided that it was time. You didn't want to keep, um, I like to say, put lipstick on the pig. In other words, <laughs> we wanted to, you know, we wanted to make the product new and more available and have more abilities. And so we're not limited to a web-based overlay that still has the same limitations that our product had before we re- we had the rewrite. So now we have you know, no field limitations, there's a lot of expandability we have with the new, with the new functionality and um, report capability and just on-screen reporting, just a lot of cool things that really make it to where we can advance. And so in this day and age, with um a lot of uh, a lot of buyouts going on um we wanted to stand the test of time and we felt like this software would allow us to do that and allow us to keep up with the uh, with the the uh, companies that are going out there and trying to buy everybody out so We want to be that option to where people can still buy from family owned and operated. We think that's a big, that's a big, uh, a big deal. And we think a lot of people really would rather do that than to buy from a company that's huge with no skin in the game.
0: Mm -hmm. And then is there anything else beyond that um, uh, kind of responsive solution uh, that dealers can, new features that dealers can expect from uh, Primus?
3: Yes, there's a ton. Um, With that, without giving out all my trade
0: secrets,
3: (laughs) um, just a little chuckle there. But, um, yes, there's a ton of new features, um, things that people have asked for for years and never could get. Um, Just for one thing, the, the ability to actually use a phone without limitation. That's something that we've all tried to do, but I think we've failed miserably. If you ask anyone that uses an app with their current system, I guarantee you they're going to tell you, well, it works, but not really that great, and I have to do this or that, and I have to blow my screen up, make it bigger, make it smaller, or there's just a lot of irritations with it. um, And I think we've accomplished it to where there's no more irritations, where you can actually do that with freedom and not be limited. And then there's things they'll say, well, the app's great. but I can't get to certain things on my app as to where I could on my laptop. So I just don't do it, or I don't use it. Well, that's kind of what we did. And then, again, features that I, I won't name them all, but there's just a ton of things that we've done with this expanded rewrite, which basically just completely rewrite the, rewrote the program to be a whole other entity. So we call it Primus Powered by BASIC. And Primus is, is, uh, stands for FIRST. I believe in the Greek.
0: Okay. All right. And then um, for those, those dealers out there who, who maybe haven't worked with basic software before, um, what, what sets you guys apart from, um, you know, the other options that are out there?
3: I would say it's the family owned and operated. It's a family here, and when you sign up with basic software, we are not perfect by any means, just like they are not perfect by any means, mm-hmm. but we try to be perfect. We we strive for as, as much perfection as we can possibly obtain, and we shoot you straight. If something doesn't go right, we're going to get in the trench with you. We're going to pull our hair out with you till we get it fixed. We can't sit here and say that everything's perfect at basic software systems. It never is with anyone, mm-hmm. but the difference maker is that we care, and we we do what we say we're going to do, and we believe um, we believe in our customers, and we believe in their productivity, and we're here to help them with that. And anytime there's a there's an issue of some sort or anything that goes on, we're right there with them to try to help them fix it and get it done. And so I think the difference maker is it's like you you marry into our family and and when we marry we take it for life it's it's till death do us part we we believe in in that sanctity of marriage and we believe in that in the business and so when we get a partnership and a a person that decides to partner with basic software systems and be our customer, then we look at it that way. And so when we see them at trade shows, we're hugging their necks and we're talking to them. And you know, there's times where they'll call in with some of their troubles that they're going through, and we'll just talk to them and lend a an ear. Um, it may not have anything to do with the business system, but that's just who we are and that's what we do. And it's it's about that kind of relationship for us. It's really relationship building is what it what it builds what it comes down to.
0: Okay, let's get back to the program and listen in as Mike and Dr. Weber continue their conversation about dealer consolidation and what's driving it.
1: The other issue that they're going to have is not only that they're not getting the economies of scale, and it is the culture. So the biggest problem that I see in this consolidation and emerging of locations is trying to take, let's say, one of your dealerships of the year uh, who's focused on high expectations and has a culture of high expectations and is interested in making profitability and is interested in turning the assets, now they're going to go in and take over a dealership that has lower standards, that pays their salesman a salary or a cash difference or whatever the case may be, something substantially different than, than one they have. The merging of these cultures is going to be the driving point going forward. And that is an extraordinarily difficult, and I'll give a statistic tomorrow. I mean, in terms of when you see dealerships fail, not dealerships, but when you see companies failing, one of the reasons why companies fail who've merged with another individual is the inability to assimilate the culture effectively. And so we'll continue to see consolidations. We will also probably not see the economies of scale they think they're going to get because they've done a poor job in terms of managing the numbers. And then number two, they'll have a problem with the merging of the cultures. Mm
2: -hmm. So that will essentially, they may not get the economies of scale they think that are there. It'll be essentially be a cost of doing business to to, to 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 be able to grow.
1: Total. In other words, look, if if they were a 3% bottom line profitability before, the fact of the matter is they should be going to 5% bottom line profitability or pick another number, 4%, whatever the case may be, because of economies of scale, the merging of the accounting departments, the consolidation of the sales management staff, et cetera, et cetera. They should be able to increase profitability. The fact that the matter is there'll probably still be a 3% bottom line profitability or less. Mm-hmm. And, that's where, and that's where they ought to be looking in the mirror and saying, what in the heck are we doing here?
2: Yeah. When you look out at the industry, not to put words in your mouth, but I assume you know that there are going to be some companies that make it and there's going to be some that, that don't. What would be the common traits of the ones that you would bet on? The ones that...
1: You're talking about you, manufacturers or dealers? I'm talking
2: about dealers here. The, the, the ones that you know will be around 10 years from now because they're doing the right thing today. You know, what would those, some of those additional traits be?
1: Okay. Number one would be not retaining employees with a bad attitude. Number two would be not retaining employees that are underperforming. Number three would be having benchmarks in place. Number four would be incentivizing the employees, setting expectations and incentivizing the employees based on performance. Number five would be to have incentive systems in place for the management team that would let them make a heck of a lot more money and not putting caps on it. I want them to make as much money as they can possibly make. It's gonna be based on return on assets. What, what What I see happen, I don't have a single dealer yet looking at their managers based on the return on assets. These managers in the future have to be evaluated, have to be incentivized, have to be compensated on the return on assets they're generating, not just the bottom line profitability, but on the overall performance of their of their dealership and their department. And that is profitability and that is asset turn. That's what we'll see as the as the driving force. It will not be on things like market share.
2: The um the ones that are not going to make it we're back to a cash flow discussion probably
1: Yeah, that's why they'll they'll go out of business because they have excess work in process, because they have excess obsolescence, because they have uncollectible accounts receivables because they have new equipment that is not turning and because they have used equipment that's not turning. It's going to come down to those five issues every single time. And so their inability to turn those five assets work in process, accounts, receivables, used equipment, new equipment and parts inventory, they're going to be sitting there with a bunch of lazy assets that aren't turning and not giving them the cash that they need to provide the monetary relief that they have from creditors and from manufacturers and the the need to meet payroll. Look, when you're looking at sales compensation exceeding 40%, 42%, two years ago it was 44%. And I'm telling you that's woefully understated for the reasons I said this morning. There's no way that they can make money in that whole goods department. It's just virtually impossible. So again, why is it there? Is it the compensation system that is wrong? Is it because the way they book the used equipment that is wrong? Is it because they put too much money into reconditioning? I don't know. It's a combination probably of all three. But the fact that it matters, it's management. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an inability, they're taking their eye, they're focused, they're not focused on doing the right thing. And that focus has to be, we are going to get a return on assets. And I'm gonna surround myself with, the right again, I hate to keep repeating it. And I go back and I mention that good to great, and I'm sure you read that book 15 God. years ago. You know, the best. I mean, I, I, w- I would encourage everybody to read it again if they haven't read it a second time and a third time. It's simply saying, I am going to surround myself with the right people, I'm gonna have the right people on the bus, and I'm gonna have the right people in the right seat on the bus. Period, end of the story. If they did that, they're gonna be successful. And again, it's like that questionnaire I gave this morning. You show me a dealer that is a leader, and you show me a sales manager, a parts manager, and a service manager that are are also leaders, I'm going to show you a dealership that is gonna be far superior to anybody else out there. Now, the problem we have out there is we have a bunch of managers that are dealers. Now they're not leaders. And that's where we have to make the big decision. You know, they're looking at numbers, but they're not focused on managing the people. They're looking at numbers, but they're not creating a vision. They're not creating the culture. They're not letting the, setting, I want a culture of high expectations. So tomorrow I'll talk about things like a culture of indecision or a culture of, of doubt. I mean, what they have to have is a culture of high expectations. Those will be the ones that are going to be successful. Those are going to be the ones that are not going to accept the 5% bottom line profitability. And again, it will come down to a culture of high expectations and not permitting standards to go low.
0: That does it for part three of Principles of Dealership Management with Dr. Jim Weber. Thanks again to Primus by Basic Software for sponsoring this series. Be sure to listen in next time when Dr. Weber talks about dealership profitability goals. Until next time, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.